Hey, and thanks for joining us for Parkview Online. I'm Dan, one of the pastors here. Over the next hour or so, our goal is to help you take a next step toward God. Wherever you happen to be on your faith journey, we believe that you have a step to take, and we want to help you discover what that is. In just a moment, we're going to join our broadcast campus where the band will lead us in some music and we'll hear a message based on the Bible that we can all apply to our lives. During the service, you're probably going to end up hearing a reference to the next steps area in a lobby or something specific to an experience that's happening at one of our physical campuses. But what we want you to know is that you can take very similar next steps online. And if there's ever a time when you want to learn more about how to do that, just shoot me an email at online at parkviewchurch.com. We'd love to help you figure out which next step is the right one for you. There are a couple of other quick things that we want you to know. First, if you're watching with a group of people and we can help you in any way, we'd love to. That means different things for different groups, but we'd love to have the conversation with you. And then second, if you're watching and you'd like to get connected to some people in your area, or you'd like some information about connecting to one of our physical campuses in the Chicagoland area, again, just reach out via email. The address is online at parkviewchurch.com. Ultimately, today, we want our time together to encourage you. We want you to get some practical insight from the Bible, and we want to help you take your next step with God and with other people. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the service. Thanksgiving yet, but we're talking about Christmas. Isn't that lovely? Stand up. Come on. Welcome to Parkview. We're going to sing together. Let's get this thing going. This is the day. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. All my hope is in your name, and now your joy awaits my praise. I give thanks, I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing, Lord, I am
lift our hands, sing this with me. And as we lift our hands, the heavens open, heavens open. So let our lives declare the love our God has spoken over us. And as we lift our hands, the heavens open, heavens open. So let's sing this out and remember his goodness. Let's sing, you give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is
God is not far from us, church. We don't shout his praise to get his attention. We shout his praise because he already loved us and already rescued us. So sing this with confidence. All the earth will shout. Sing it with me. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Come on. things about you because we want your attention or to impress you. God, before we knew you, you loved us. Before we trusted you, you gave your life for us. And before we loved you, you rescued us. You gave everything so that you could be close to us. And the only thing we need to do is thank you for it. And help us believe and know and understand how very close you are. No matter what we hide, no matter what we do, no matter what we say, you always love us. And Jesus, we pray in confidence and hope and in your beautiful and strong and precious name. And everybody said, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, Parkview. Glad to see you all. I'm Bill. I'm one of the old guys around here. Glad you could join us uh, this Sunday for worship. Everything I'm about to tell you right now, we have this really helpful website called parkviewchurch.com 
this week. You can go there and find information, uh, how to connect, all that stuff, so make sure you check that out. We have our Christmas concerts coming up December 1st and 2nd. It has been a while since we've been able to do a Christmas concert, so we want to encourage you to go online at parkviewchurch.com and get your tickets, purchase your tickets there. Uh, They're filling up pretty quickly. December 1st and 2nd, we're going to kick off the Christmas season. Speaking of the Christmas season, we have Christmas Eve services. How many of you have been around here for Christmas Eve at Parkview? Raise your hand high. Yeah. So for those of you who have not, we have about 4,000 services to choose from. Um, They are actually listed on the website right now. We are ticketing that as well, but they are free tickets. The only reason we ticket it is so we can figure out which services are overflowing and busy and we can help guide you to services that might have a little bit more room. So what I would suggest is sit down with your family today or tomorrow, look at the service times, figure out which one you're going to go to, and when those tickets go live, grab them, and if you can flip them on eBay, awesome. So... um, (laughs) So check that out. It's going to be great uh, Christmas Eve. We can't wait to celebrate with you and your friends and family. We want to encourage you to think of who you're going to invite. It's going to be an awesome time. Finally, one of the reasons I love Christmas around here for 18 years that I've been here is we always look for ways to serve our community and give hope in our community. So all around the facility today, when you walk out, I want to encourage you to grab one of these cards. Uh, What we do is we have local missions partners that we partner with to bring hope to people that need a little bit of extra hope at Christmas time. We love that. We give and we serve with our local missions partners. So when you leave today, grab one or two of these cards if you want. There's a list of items on there. You can purchase one, two, ten of those, whatever you want to do. And the weekend of December 5th, we're all going to bring them back here unwrapped. And then we're going to wrap those, uh, give those to our local missions partners. And those are going to be given to families in our community that need a little hope at Christmas. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. So, and you guys are always so generous at Christmas. We want to encourage you to do that this year. It's one of my favorite things. Um, You're here on a special weekend. You don't even know it. You'll figure that out here in just a little bit. So as we celebrate Thanksgiving week, we want to say thank you for being here. We're thankful for you. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's Thanksgiving week. We get days off. We get turkey. We get all the trimmings. It's so fun. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, Homer Glen, New Lenox, Orland Park, all of you online. We do have a, a special thing going on today. At all of our campuses, we're going to have, I'm going to start things off, and then we're going to have somebody from that campus teach the middle part, and then I'm going to come back and do communion again, calling it Staff Development Weekend, giving us a chance to hear from a whole bunch of different voices all across, and I'm really excited for you to get a chance to, to be a part of that. But before we get started, I want, I want to ask ask you to think about who you're going to invite to Christmas, okay? I I mean, you know, we do have a lot of services at all of our campuses, and the reason that we do that is not to make it more convenient. Um, The reason, we're actually starting on Sunday, and Christmas is on Saturday, okay? Uh, So, I mean, you need to understand we do all of that so that we can be able to have room for you to invite somebody to come with you. 
And you're going to need tickets. They're free. You're going to need tickets, but, but only so that we can kind of keep things, uh, you know, even along our services. But I would love for you to be thinking about who's your one, who's that person in your life, maybe family member, whatever, that, that you need to invite to Christmas to our series called Unraveled. We're going to be uh, doing the ugly Christmas sweaters and all of it. Uh, there we go. Oh, okay. That's not what I was looking for, but thank you. Um, so, uh, what we're trying to do is talk about how unraveled things are as we get ready for Christmas and how the first family dealt with it, and uh, I, I, I'm, really, I'm really excited about it. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about Thanksgiving. Here you go. I came in. Only If you don't get this, um, ask your children or something. Um, I came in like a butterball. Here's another one that I love. This little kid did his, uh, did his count your blessings, and number one was Netflix. Uh, that's the world we live in now, right? Um, and this one somebody posted, and some of my children can relate. Can't wait to make a huge Thanksgiving dinner so my child can eat one roll, right? I mean, I, I, well, we have some finicky eaters of my grandchildren along the way. And my prayer for you is I pray that all the different foods on your plate avoid touching one another on Thursday. Some of you are really weird about that. I know that. I, I just feel like Thanksgiving is really important this year because the world... Um, is less thankful maybe this year than I've ever seen in my life. Does, does that kind of make sense to you too? Like there's so much negativity and because of the World Wide Web, everybody feels like they can gripe about everything now, right? So they do. I was at a retreat this last weekend with our executive team, and uh, we were talking future stuff, uh, you know, really excited about all the things that God's doing around here. And we were just over at New Buffalo at a friend's place over there, but we tried to find, I mean, it was Monday morning, we are trying to find a breakfast place, and it's not easy. New Buffalo kind of shuts down a little bit in the off season, you know? And so we're, we're, we're looking around, and we're starting to think maybe Mickey D's is the only option that we have for breakfast. Rosie's is closed, if you know that place. Everything was closed up. So Bill went online and, and decided, you know, let's look at the reviews of McDonald's, which is just never a good idea. <laughs> at the time of this review, the McRib is being offered. The picture will explain why I felt I needed rubber gloves to eat this sandwich. I did, in fact, use six napkins in the process of today's consumption. I did speak to a manager who informed me that the McRib comes packed in barbecue sauce. Well, great. Shake some of it off. <laughs> if I wanted a bath in barbecue sauce, I'd go to Walmart and buy a few bottles. Come on, McDonald's. This is not difficult. Dude, it's a McRib. I'm not sure it's even really meat, okay? What kind of a pathetic life do you have if you could take the time to write a review about how messy a McRib sandwich is? I mean, wouldn't your time be better spent inventing conspiracy theories on social media? I don't get it. There is no one who is going to read your review and go, oh, man, I guess I won't get a McRib at McDonald's because you said it took sip napkins to, to eat it. Oh, I, I go on. Um, I don't know why I'm bothering to write... <laughs> I don't know why I'm bothering to write this review. The previous, I've written previous reviews, and it's obvious that no one cares. The place has not been clean since George has been gone, and it's disgusting inside and out. What, what happened to George? <laughs> one more. Worst McDonald's in the history of McDonald's. 
We didn't go there, by the way, okay? So, <laughs> slow, slower, slowest, and with bad attitude on top. Fast food, never. Who runs this establishment? Ronald McDonald? Mayor McCheese? Get it together. Whatever happened to Mayor McCheese? I know that's what you're thinking. I am too. I miss that guy. And Grimace. Grimace? You remember Grimace? What was Grimace? McDonald's never really said what he was. But the speculation was that he was a giant taste bud. I'm not, I'm not kidding, okay? Which would explain why his name was Grimace. At least if you're trying to eat a messy McRib. And George is not there. That's all I know. It's ridiculous. And, and all this negativity is all around us all the time. Dale Carnegie said it this way. Two men looked out from prison bars. One saw mud and the other stars. Okay? So there's just so much mud these days. I guess that's what I'm saying. My Thanksgiving message today is please shut the mud up and let's be thankful. Okay? There you go. Can I get an amen? I mean, I mean, really, it's actually not my message. You're going to hear from one of our teachers today as well. But we're, and we're going to have Staff Development Day, as I said. But before that happens, I just want to remind you of why we have Thanksgiving in the first place, okay? Just give me a minute. I want to walk you through George Washington's proclamation in 1789 of why we have Thanksgiving. It's just so important to go back and look at this. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore him his protection and his favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee request to me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness now do I recommend and assign Thursday, 26th of November next to be devoted to the people of these states of the service of that great and glorious being who is the benevolent author of all that is good, that all the good that was, that is, and that will be. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. Way to go, George. Okay. Thank you, George. I mean, come on. And, and, and listen, I'm not trying to be political with this. Don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying that because our nation was started by Christians that we have to make sure that we legislate Christianity into a completely different culture than they lived back then, okay? Actually, that would be very counter to the ideal for which the pilgrims came over in the first place, which was just freedom from legislated religion, okay? I'm saying... For those of us who do follow Jesus, I think this should be a celebration unlike any other. Because we know that the pilgrims didn't have their Thanksgiving feast to thank the Native Americans. Okay, Don't believe your history books, kids. They thanked God. But they did it. Listen to this. This is what's been rolling around in my brain. They thanked God as they welcomed people who didn't fully know about God. Right? Native Americans were giving thanks to nature and to the great spirit, and they shared the table together with them. 
And the understanding of who God really is, which I totally believe Christians honestly understand because of Jesus, is not spread through mud, okay? It is spread when we love and when we welcome others to our feast and show them how grateful we are to the Almighty God. What I'm saying is we can mess up Thursday by not, ha- not acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of our Almighty God, which George told us to do, um, or we can mess it up by trying to force it down the throats of the people who don't yet believe. So let's pause today and just focus on why we should be thankful. Why, as we look out from wherever we are, behind whatever bars are in our life, why should I see the stars and stop focusing on the mud? So at all of our campuses, please give it up for your teacher right now. Would you do that for me? Well, what's up, everybody? How are you? My name is Nick, and uh, I'm the student pastor here at the Orland Park campus. And if we have not had the chance to meet, perhaps it's because oftentimes I'm mostly just hanging out with teenagers and stuff like that. And so it's really nice to be talking to adults today. So I welcome that. But also, maybe the reason that we haven't had the chance to meet is I started here in March of 2020. And so for those of, yes, you're all laughing because you know exactly what that means, right? Uh, And because you know what that means, you can imagine how weird it is to move from out of state here to Chicago in the middle of a pandemic. And so it was all the things that you may imagine starting a new job to be on the very first day of COVID, Uh, but it wasn't all bad. Uh, In fact, I had the really great opportunity to spend a lot of time at home with my wife and two boys, which was amazing. We got the chance to completely redecorate and paint our house because we were home and in it a lot. And that's a thing that can happen when you're there. And also this one is a little bit of a blessing in disguise, but I never joined a gym here in Illinois, right? Because I canceled my gym membership in Ohio. I moved here and then who's going to join a gym in the middle of COVID, right? And so what happened was I am a youth pastor which means I like pizza. And I moved to Chicago, which is famous for pizza. So if you put those two things together, you can see the problem that I started to have being at home, eating deep dish every night. And I was like, okay, something has to change, right? And so I decided I'm gonna start running. Never really been a runner before. That was never my thing. I always liked the idea of being at a gym because I felt like I was doing something. Really, all I'm doing is looking around at myself in the mirror, right? But I decided I am going to start running, start running. It's going well, it's starting to get easier. And I had this brilliant idea that I was gonna run a half marathon. And I didn't sign up for a half marathon, mind you, right? But what I did was I was like, I'm gonna start running one in my neighborhood. And so the only way that I knew what was going on or how far I had gone was by tracking it on my watch as I ran this half marathon. And so I started to run and about halfway through my watch completely fritzed out and it stopped tracking my distance, which was problematic because now I was somewhere in the middle of a half marathon with no idea how much longer I had to go. 
And so I did all this mental math and I figured out what I think the problem was and I had to restart the run on my watch. And as soon as I restarted it, as soon as my brain shut off a little bit from trying to figure out how much further I needed to go, I hit this wall. And I remembered right there in that moment, like, oh yeah, this is why I'm not a runner. (laughs) And right about that exact same time, I turned down a side street in my neighborhood, because remember, this isn't a real marathon, this is just me making it up in my neighborhood. And at the end of the street, I see a black SUV. Now for some of you, that may be terrifying because it reminds you of Criminal Minds. But for me, I knew that it was my wife and my two boys that were in the car. And I was so thankful because as I ran there, they had water for me, they were rooting me on. At one point, they were literally driving alongside of me, cheering for me as I was hitting my wall of running. And the thankfulness and the joy that their presence gave to me helped give me the endurance to finish my race well. And that whole idea of finishing this race Well, the whole idea of having endurance, I think sometimes Thanksgiving feels like the last leg of a race in the calendar year a little bit, right? Like it's this necessary holiday, it's this necessary evil to get us to Christmas, which is really what, you know, let's be honest, most of us are kind of focused on. But I think that this idea of Thanksgiving has a lot that we can wrestle through. And actually the Apostle Paul talks about it in the book of 1 Thessalonians. He says this, he says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There's a couple words in there that I find really interesting. It's the word joy and it's the word thanksgiving or the word gratitude. And as I was preparing this week, I came across this this quote that says this. It says, gratitude helps you grow and expand. So gratitude or thanksgiving helps you grow and expand. And then gratitude helps bring joy and laughter into your life and into the lives of all those around you. And so I think as we are sitting on the cusp of celebrating yet another Thanksgiving, and it's this holiday that's afforded to us as Americans on our regular calendar, I think a question that I would like to wrestle with this morning, and I'd like to ask you to wrestle with as well, is are you living a life that is creating in you an endurance that you can be thankful for a year from now, or five years from now, or 25 years from now? See, because we can go through the, the act of giving token thanks and token gratitude every November because it's what we're supposed to do. But are you thankful for more than just the material things that are right around you? Are you thankful for the way in which you are living? And then as you do so, will that create within you the ability to have an endurance to finish well? Just like I needed that in my half marathon. I think that's a great question worth asking. In fact, that that whole idea of joy and gratitude, it's, it's a unique verse, but in the book of James, he writes, dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, if thankfulness helps lead to joy, 
and joy, James tells us, in the face of hard times and trials. And I don't know about you, but 2020 along with 2021 has felt sometimes difficult. And if we can face those things with joy, what James tells us is that we can produce within inside of us an endurance to finish well. So how can we this Thanksgiving begin to practice that? And are you living in such a way that your life is creating an endurance that you can be thankful for a year from now or five years from now or 25 years from now? You know, when I think about this idea of endurance, not just from a race standpoint or physically, but when I think about someone who lived a life very well and finished very strong with incredible endurance and incredible integrity, a guy that comes to mind is the late, great Billy Graham. And most everyone in here has at least heard of Billy Graham, regardless of if you've grown up in church or not. He's probably impacted you in some way, shape, or form. But what's not quite as well documented as Graham's ending is how he started out in faith. You see, he came onto the scene in 1945 as a preacher with all the goals to reach the next generation. But at the same time that Billy Graham burst onto the scene, burst two other preachers and two other evangelists, one by the name of Bron Clifford and the other by the name of Chuck Templeton. Now, as I say those names to you, you're, you're probably not as familiar with those two guys, right? But in 1945, when those guys were also preaching and doing the kind of same things that Billy Graham was doing, when Bron Clifford went and visited Baylor University, the president of the university requested that the time change bells, the one that indicates it's time to go to a new class, be turned completely off to let this man preach without any inhibition and just go for it. And he went for two hours and 15 minutes. And don't worry, they only gave me 15 minutes this morning, so I'm not going to do that. But Templeton, on the other hand, another seminary president said, if I were a betting man between these three guys, Clifford and Graham and Templeton, I'd put my money on Templeton. That was 1945. Fast forward not even 10 years later, and Clifford had died in a rundown Amarillo motel room of cirrhosis of the liver because he'd abused alcohol, he had mismanaged money, and he had walked away from his family and his two Down syndrome children. Templeton, on the other hand, he had completely abandoned his faith and he went to pursue a career in radio and in media. See, here's the thing. When we look at these three stories, there's one that finished well and there's one that leaves a legacy. Are you living in such a way that you can be thankful for the life that you're living now a year from now, five years from now, or 25 years from now? And if this endurance comes from being able to, to face it with joy when hard times come, and if joy comes from thankfulness, then this holiday is not just only a good reminder for us to stop and pause and be thankful, but it's also, I think, a really good practice that we can put into our lives more regularly than just the month of November. And how can we practically practice thankfulness. So I want to give you guys just two ideas this morning and how we can practice thankfulness. The first one is this. I want us to shift our priorities. If we're looking ahead a year from now, five years from now, 25 years from now, I think a great question worth asking is, what am I prioritizing in my life? 
Because like I said, right, thankfulness can be a token thing that we give for material possessions or things immediately right in front of us. But how can we shift our priorities to what really matters? And one of my all-time favorite thought leaders in the Christian space is a guy by the name of Reggie Joyner. And he has this incredible quote that says this. He says, a hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter is a person's relationship with Jesus. Just think about that. And if that's true, what are you doing in your life to shift your priorities to focus on the relationship with Jesus that really matters? What are you doing in your life to invest in other people, your children or the next generation to help them develop a relationship with Jesus that really matters? You see, when you shift your priorities to focus on things that are eternal and not just temporal, you're going to be thankful for the life that you're living now in the future. And it will help create in you an endurance and give you something to look ahead to. The other thing I want to challenge us to do, and I challenge you as well as challenging myself on this, is to quit having what I call spiritual amnesia. All right, I don't know if you know what amnesia is, right? But it's that thing where you just, you seem to forget almost instantaneously what happens. And here's why this is so crucial for me. When my wife and I had our second born son, his name is Jude. I have a picture of him up here on the screens. Jude spent the first two uh, weeks of his life in the NICU. He was a preemie baby, and, and it's standard for preemie babies as early as he was to spend time in the NICU. And man, there was so much stress about getting him up to the right weight, about getting him feeding, about him spitting up. Oh my goodness, he was spitting up so much, and that was so stressful. But none of that None of that compared to the stress that happened about halfway through our NICU stay when the doctors walked in and they said, hey, listen, Jude flagged positive on his infant screening for a disease that if he has it, he won't live to see the age of two years old. So the spitting up seemed very minimal now in comparison to what we were now facing. And so my wife and I, we walked through three different rounds of testing because the testing was confusing and complicated and people had a hard time explaining it well. And we walked through three months. That, that time period was about three months worth because insurance and, you know, all the headache of getting all that stuff approved. And fast forward now three years, God intervened and completely uh, stepped into Jude's life. And he's completely fine. The doctor says we don't have to worry anything about it. But during that time, right, I said I would do anything. I was bargaining with God. Like, God, please save my son. I will never doubt you. I will, right, all these things that I was, I was saying that I would do. But just last week, me and Jude had a run-in of epic proportions. I tell you what. And here's what I did. You ready for it? I peeled his banana the wrong way. Have you ever done that to a three-year-old? It doesn't end very well. I ended up eating the banana, not Jude. And I was reminded like, oh yeah, God. I said back then, whatever it takes, yet here I am and I completely forget about how God had stepped in and, and intervened in our lives. And so I think one thing that's important is as we try to quit having spiritual amnesia, as we try to endure this race, check out what James says later on in chapter one. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation for afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You see, if you lead a life now that you can be thankful for, there's a reward, there's a blessing 
that comes down the road. So how do we quit having spiritual amnesia? How do we quit with the uh, forgetting of the ways in which God has shown up? In Bible times, when God would show up, they would create an altar or a memento or a way to look back and say, in this space, God showed up. You know, for me and my wife during that time, we, would, we had about a 45-minute commute between the hospital and home. So we built a Spotify worship playlist and we would listen to it every ride home. And I put a thumbnail picture on that Spotify playlist and it's just a picture of Jude laying in the NICU bed with a feeding tube in his nose. And that for me is a reminder of like, oh yeah, God, back then you were faithful. So now as I face this, I can look ahead and I can be thankful and I can be filled with the joy that you promise. What is it for you? Maybe it's a, a keychain or a reminder of something that's significant in your life. Maybe a prayer journal and a way to look back on ways in which God has shown up through the prayers that you've been praying over years and months and time together. Maybe it's just a phone lock screen that every time you open your phone, you're reminded, oh yeah, this is right. Because I can look back and it helps me quit having spiritual amnesia as I look ahead. So how do we this Thanksgiving quit having spiritual amnesia? How do we shift our priorities to what really matters in life so that we can be thankful which can produce in us joy that gives us endurance to run this way, this race and finish well. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the, the holiday of Thanksgiving and the, the natural reminder, the fact that we can stop and pause and be thankful and grateful for who you are, for what you've done in our lives, and it gives us a joy. And Lord, you promise us that, that when we do that, it will give us an endurance in our faith that will help us finish well. It will give us a thankfulness of our life, not just now, but down the road in the future. Lord, help us not to forget that. Help us not to take this holiday season lightly. Lord, we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the morning you sing over me. Breath, I breathe an invitation to believe. 
think about this week in the way that we need to think about it. It's just so important because Thanksgiving is from the same root word as to think. So to think is to thank, right? I mean, isn't that what you've heard already today? To think is to thank. That's what it's really about. If you spend some time thinking, you will be thankful. That's what Paul said. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. We went through this passage several years ago. But in every situation with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then what will happen? Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Nobody understands the peace of God. Doesn't make any sense. Will guard your hearts and minds. The peace of God that is not explainable will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's so awesome that we have that promise. But it has to happen when we think. Because when we think, we thank. And by the way, gratitude is from the same root word as grace. Which signifies the free and boundless mercy of God, right? Everything I have is by grace. Everything we are is by grace. Everything we achieve is by grace. Everything we become is by the grace of God. So our response to grace is gratitude. When we think we thank, our response to grace is gratitude. You with me? Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And those are the ones, those are the ones that are important. 
2,000 years ago, God looked down and saw me before I was born, and he came to the earth, and he proved he was the son of God by his miracles and his lessons and his character, and wicked men could not bear his popularity, so they seized him, and they mocked him, and they ridiculed him, and they nailed him to the cross. But while he was dying, Jesus looked down to 2021 and said, I see you, Tim Harlow. I see your sins. I take them off of you and I put them onto myself. And Isaiah said it was going to go like this. He said he was bruised for my transgression and wounded for my transgression and bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. Let me just assure you that when I think, I thank. I have so much to be thankful for. It's unbelievable. And when I think about grace, I have gratitude. Because I'm a sinner. I mean, if the Apostle Paul said he was the chief of sinners, then I have no idea what that makes me. Because he was way better than me. Okay? And when I stand before God... He will not go, oh, Tim Harlow, I see your list of sins here. Wow, you called yourself a pastor? Look at this thing. I've had Illinois governors with better track records than this. (laughs) He's not going to say that. He's going to say, I see no sin. Your paper is white, although it does have a reddish tint where the blood of Jesus washed those sins away. Because Peter said he himself bore our sins on the, on the tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, for by his wounds you have been healed. So now I'm still a sinner, but I'm saved by grace, and that gives me gratitude. And now I have the promise of Jesus Christ of eternal life, and I'm 100% sure where I'm going to go when I die, and it's not because of how much good I've done. It's because his spirit lives in me and helps me live an abundant life on this earth, and I know without a shadow of a doubt that when I die, I will go to be with Jesus forever. A story from World War II, Maximilian Kolbe was a non-Jewish guy who helped Uh, the Jews in Germany, Um, another one of those, you know, Schindler kinds of people. And in February of 41, he he was arrested by the Nazis for harboring Jewish people, even though he wasn't Jewish, and he was put in Auschwitz, the infamous Nazi prison camp. And in July of that year, so February he's in, in July of that year, a number of people escaped. And the, the custom of the Nazis was, if anybody escaped, they would execute uh, more people than escaped to, to prove to everybody that they better not try it because somebody's going to die back there if you, if you get away, right? And they would do it, in this case, by putting people into solitary confinement in starvation and exposure and just allow them to waste away, okay? And, and everybody watched it literally happen as an example. So they gathered together because somebody had escaped and they called out 10 names. And the last name that they called out was a Polish Jew named Francis Gazabinacek, okay? Gazabinacek. And as soon as his name was called, he cried out, oh no, I'm a father, I have children to take care of, oh no. And at this moment, Maximilian Kolbe, who again wasn't a Jew but was in there because he helped Jews, stepped forward and offered his true story, offered his life in exchange for the man who was on his knees. And surprisingly, the commandant agreed to the arrangement. And they took Max Colby out into the exposure, and he 
didn't die and he didn't die. And finally they injected him with poison on August 14th, 1941. The reason I know this story is because 50 years later, NBC News did an interview with Gazanovicek in Poland who had survived. He was 82 years old at this point, and, and he took the people out to, from the NBC News crew to his backyard where there was a monument to Maximilian Kolbe. And, and around the monument were carefully kept flowers, and the camera zoomed in on the inscription, which read, Maximilian Kolbe, he died in my place. And they reported that every year after the war, Gazamnicek on August 14th would go to that place in Auschwitz and, and celebrate his freedom and the one who died in his place. And what we do every week around here is we come to a time when we remember Jesus who died in our place. And the interesting thing about it is that there's a cup, if you've got it on your way in, um, the cup was such a good symbol for us because on Thursday night, Jesus got together before his death and, and he, he, he gathered everybody together and he said, hey, he, I want you to eat this bread and I want you to drink this cup and I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember me by it. And, and the, the disciples had no idea what the symbolism was going to mean yet. They, had, they, they still didn't get that he was going to be crucified, that it was about his blood. They still didn't get all that, but they were like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then Jesus walked from there into the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed to God and said, God, could this cup be taken from me? Because this is not how I want to go. I, I don't want to die on a cross, but not my will, yours be done. It's this cup. And now we understand what the cup was all about. So as we take communion together as a church at all of our campuses, as we do this thing, we're remembering what Jesus did for us. We're remembering what Peter said, who was there with him at that table. Now I get it. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Boy, doesn't that sound like how a lot of people will go into Thanksgiving this year? The empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So we're going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you some time to just uh, peel the top layer of silicone off and, and get that bread out and get it ready. And, and give you a moment to think so that you'll thank. And give you a moment to have an understanding of grace so that you can have the proper gratitude as we head into Thanksgiving. Lord God, be with us as we celebrate together at all of our campuses. I think communion at Easter and communion at a Good Friday and, and communion at Christmas time and communion at Thanksgiving are some of the most special times for us because we do this every week and we know that that we need to remember but we're actually going to get the chance on Thursday to stop for a minute and to remember our freedom and to give thanks to the almighty God for his provision. So as we do this today, let it lead us into a week of thinking and thanking, of grace and gratitude.
Spirit be with us. It's in your name we pray. I am, the more beauty I see. This is the body of Christ that was broken for you. Take and eat. And this is the cup. He said, remember me. And then he asked that it be taken away because it was the hardest thing any human being has ever done in their life. And even as the son of God, he was still a human being. But he went to the cross and he shed his blood for us. Take a drink. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this week. Thank you for the fall, beautiful colors, time when we could have the beauty. And the more we stop and think, the more we can be thankful. The more thankful we are, the more beauty we see. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with this quote. Dag Hammarskjöld was a Swedish philosopher who said, Night is drawing nigh. For all that has been, thanks. And to all that shall be, yes. Isn't that great? To all that has been, God, we give you thanks. And to all that shall be, yes. One of the most repeated verses in the Bible is the beginning of Psalm 136 and many other beginnings to many other Psalms. And it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Would you stand as we close out? And I would like for you to repeat this verse with me, which is what the children of Israel would do every once in a while when they remembered to think and they thanked they would say this together. I'd just like to say, have you say this with me at all of our campuses, several, let's do it three times together, okay? Just so that we get it ingrained into our minds and then I'll pray for us. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Do it again. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. One more time. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for being here.